Thank you, Grant. And everybody else, I just have to say, um, when Sarah and I moved out here from Arizona, we had what we thought was incredible family um, with our church there, and it's nothing at all compared to this. This is different. This is so, like, intimate. All of you guys, like, I can stand here and say, I love all of you guys. And, like, you could not have twisted my arm enough to say that anywhere else. <laughs> I couldn't, like, it's, it's crazy. You guys, thank you. Um, and even, I, I would tell you, when I was a youth pastor and I would go up and preach, even every Sunday, we had it on Sunday nights, every Sunday night I would be nervous. I'd be shaking. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to say to them? What are they going to think about me? But here I'm like, nothing, nothing, because it's just like, it's so good, and you can't go wrong preaching Jesus. You can't go wrong. i, I got to start my timer. I have a feeling I'm going to go a little long, so I just want to make sure I don't. So bear with me a sec. The first slide. Oh, Talia's not doing it. My beautiful sister back here. She was supposed to be doing the slides for me, but she knew I'd call her out, so she's going to hate me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the power of the testimony. When I think of testimony, it's funny. I actually think of yelping. It's weird, right? Um, who's Yelper? Who's an avid Yelper? Anybody? Does anybody Yelp? Am I the only Yelper? Are you for real? Was this like a like five years ago? Were people Yelping? Because never. <laughs> Yelp is the mafia. <laughs> I'm an avid Yelper. If I go somewhere, I'm gonna Yelp about it, and you better you better know I'm gonna Yelp it. So <laughs> I'm trying to get Alex on board with Yelp and a few others, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Anyways, so you're basically going in and you're sharing your experience in that place with other people in hopes you either detour them to the place or away from the place. You're helping to, to, um, to persuade them either direction. And so when I think of testimony, I think it was funny. Actually, that's what I thought of. You should look me up on Yelp and go read some of them. They're pretty funny, actually. So... Um, if you want that, just get with me afterwards. And so, Revelation 12:11. I'm going to use pretty much everything's out of NIV except for one verse. And Revelation 12:11, we've all talked about it through through the six weeks we've been doing this, or however long. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their enemies, or they, I'm sorry, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So I'm going to share my testimony. It's going to be a different testimony. If you would have asked me this a year ago, it would have been all about the the drugs that I did and how I was so messed up and I hurt people. I hurt Sarah. I hurt uh, family members. I hurt everybody. But that's, he changed it. Like, it, it's so, it, he's so good. And um, this testimony is going to be the the bright side of things and how I saw Jesus and uh, my progression through all of this. So I'm going to tell you, I was raised Baptist. So there was my first problem. Um, thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, all right, that's true, because it's the testimony. So if you were raised Baptist, you can fully understand what's going on in my mind. You know, when you walk into a Pentecostal church, you go, what? I want to leave right now because, yeah, so that's what I thought, but we'll get to that. Um, I was a, a semi-emotional child, I would say, right? I mean, semi-emotional. Um, I, I, I can literally remember 
maybe four times that I'd cried as a child, like really cried, like sobbed. Um, I'll share a couple, not deeply because we're not going to go there. But um, the last moment before 11 months ago, which you'll, you'll find out what happened 11 months ago. That's the cool part of this whole story. Like, I want to just jump to it, but I can't. I've got to go in order. I've got to build to it. Um, so the last time I remember crying, it was th- like three tears. I remember because I was like, I didn't want them to even hit the floor. It was when Gavin was born, my son. He is uh, turning six in October. And so that would have been five, almost six years ago. But from the date, it would have been five years ago. Um, and so I was, I'm very, I'm not emotional. So when I was a kid, my dog died. I sobbed. Any other dog had died after that, I didn't cry at all. I didn't even think about crying. I don't know what happened. Something happened from my childhood up until, you know, I got married that something happened there. And I'm still, to this day, I cannot pinpoint what happened, but my emotions shut off and I had none. Like I was stone cold. Alex. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I was stone cold. I couldn't cry for the life of me. And I didn't know why. And we would go to event after event after event for youth and uh, nothing, nothing. They would ask us, you know, do you want to feel the pain of these kids? Uh, that was one of the big nights. They said, do you want to feel the pain of these kids? Um, you know, so, so you can like build that heart for them and really start to love people. Um, I think it was uh, Ethiopia, maybe. They were being persecuted over there at the time. Um, or they still are, but um, that's what we were talking about, and nothing. I mean, the guy counted down, you know, there was suspense everywhere, like you've felt before, three, two, one, and like people started wailing, and I'm just sitting there like, what is wrong with me? I am, I'm a monster. I can't cry. I couldn't cry for the life of me. So in, uh, in 2006, this was uh, a year before we were married, Sarah and I. We got married in 2007, so we were uh, 18, sweetheart. Out of fresh out of uh, homeschool, <laughs> you laugh. Yes, you laugh. <laughs> so, um, I was Baptist, like I said, and I we had gone to this church for years, man, years, years, years. This tiny little podunk church that really loved Jesus, but didn't know anything about the power of the Holy Spirit. I never heard about it. I learned all the verses. I mean, uh, I was in the Awana. You guys know Awana, some of you? I was in that. I knew all the verses. I was a, a spark. I could sing the song right now, but I'm not going to. It's embarrassing. I know that. But no. <laughs> and so, and then I met Sarah. We, we went to this uh, AG church, which is a f- pretty firm believer in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I remember it was literally what I'm saying for you Baptists, you know, it was literally the first day I went in. I remember this lady in the middle of worship just started screaming in tongues. And I just, my whole body was like, no. Everything inside me said no. And so I was like, I'm out. I'm going to leave. I'm either going to die or leave. So I left, which seemed like the safe thing to do at the time. But come to find out, after I get engaged, we started going to the youth group. I met Sarah. Uh, I did not like her at first, um, to be honest. She is super bubbly, super fun, super in your face. And I was super get out of my face. 
And so she like would run up and she's just like, hey, how are you? And here's my name. I'm like, oh. why are you in my space? I mean, the average human space is like what? Like a foot on either side, but mine was like six foot. Don't come near me. And she was like in my face. And so, but I, she grew on me. I mean, right, Chad? She grows on you. You have to just kind of deal with it. She's awesome. I love her. But she is the one who really, she pushed through and pursued me when no one else really did. She really cared. She really cared about the power of the Holy Spirit and what it could, how he could impact my life. And I'm going to read real quick. Uh, bring up John 16, 12 through 15, please. Oh, yeah. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes... Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. This is Jesus talking. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. This, and I'm going to skip some of that. The Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me at the bottom. So this whole time, I had no idea what the role of the Holy Spirit was. The only thing I was ever taught that I can remember definitively, right, was the power, that there's power. I remember a guy saying that it's like having a regular car and then you put a supercharger on the car. That's what it's like. And so I was like, okay, great. Well, I can still drive around with a car, so I don't need a supercharger, even though it's cool, but what's that going to do to the engine? I mean, over a period of time, you're going to lose cylinders and all this stuff. And so I was like, hmm, so am I really ready for a supercharger? So my mind went in so many different places with that. But um, Sarah pushed through. She pursued me for so long through the Holy Spirit, I see now. And uh, as the scripture states there, the role of the... You can do the next one, number three. Oh, yes. Was that already up there? Okay, cool. Thanks. The Holy Spirit's jobs reveal Jesus to us. So when I was youth pastor, and I would... Uh, go up and preach. And Sarah, like, as I've been talking to her about this for months now since I, that thing happened 11 months ago that I'm going to tell you about in a little while. Um, the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus. And Sarah even, she could, she can tell you, she can show you the notes. I would write notes to her on Mother's Day and I would say things like, I'm so proud of you and I'm proud of your heart for loving God and the Holy Spirit. I never said Jesus. I always left Jesus out. And I didn't, like, it never clicked why I left Jesus out. And I don't know if it, it'll pertain to anyone, but it definitely, like, this was like a smack with a two-by-four when I encountered this. But I left Jesus out of everything. In my sermons, I would literally almost cringe when I said his name, when I said Jesus. I would, like, it just didn't feel like rolling off my tongue. It just didn't feel right. And I didn't know why it didn't feel right. So we went on, and Sarah was pursuing me. She was pushing me, and she would, we'd sit in the car for hours and hours, and she would tell me why I need the Holy Spirit, why the Holy Spirit is important in my life. And I was just like, no, 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 no. I don't, though, because I'm still making it right now without him. Why do I need to change? And so I didn't get it. She pushed through. Lots of tears. Lots of pushing. But it paid off, right, Sarah? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not, uh, I'll go in a little bit of how I, I found the Holy Spirit in uh, 
when I was at youth camp. And I had been trying for years. I think we were at the point, I think I was at like three or four years trying for the power of the Holy Spirit. I was like, come on. I want the evidence of speaking in tongues because you know certain churches were teaching that the power of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in tongues. You don't have the power of the Holy Spirit if you're not speaking in tongues. That's what was drilled into my mind. And so I'm like, dang, I need this. I don't have this. What's going on? So that was the first lie. And I love this song, the very uh, the bridge for reckless love. And every uh, there's no lie he won't tear down. And that even that's those political lies that are in the church. Those lies he will tear down. And it's not just lies in your, you know, that you're, it's, it's every single lie. There's so many. There's so many small lies where the devil's crept in and put his foot in the door at the church and just skewed the mind, the whole outlook on it. And one little thing shifts everything in that church. And that was one of the things that, it, that shifted for me. So I believed that. I believed that you had to have the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so, anyways, I was at the youth camp. It was so good. And we were doing a baptism night because, you know, every, every camp, about third night or so, so that, you know, you got two nights of fire because they're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we had the baptism night, and I was like, God, I'm not even worthy to pray for these students. I don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I was like, you know what? I told him, I said, I'm fine not receiving it, but I'm going to go pray for these kids because I know I have something that they can get from me. And so right then, he was like, here you go. Have the gift of speaking in tongues. I was like, yes. It was super cool. When I realized that uh, he would, I didn't realize at the moment, per se, but now I realize that I had the Holy Spirit with me that whole time, that I didn't have to have that speaking in tongues. You know what I mean? I mean, that is powerful, and that's our prayer language to the Spirit. It connects us directly to the Spirit. Anyway, that's just a small part. And then I, I told you guys how I felt about Jesus, that I, I literally cringed when I said his name, that uh, I was in a tough place. If Jesus is the answer, if he's a savior, if Jesus is everything and I couldn't even say his name, I can actually stand here before you guys and say to you, I don't think at all I would have gone to heaven. I did not have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. I know what that looks like now, and it's crazy. It's so different. But I didn't have one. I can stand here and say, as a youth pastor for preaching f- about four years in the church, serving, really loving the students, but the love for Jesus wasn't there. I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't talk about him. It was just, no, I, I, would, I would talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and God and his role, but never about Jesus. And so uh, one of the, uh, I'm going to share a, uh, it's called The Dream of an, uh, of an Atheist. I don't know if you guys have heard this uh, story before. I can't remember who, which evangelist uh, talked about it, but this atheist um, had a dream. He had a dream. He was in this big field, and in the field there was uh, a whole bunch of sheep on both sides of this fence right in the middle, and he just knew right away he was on the side of the enemy. He was on Satan's, like on his turf, on his side of this field, and on the other side of the field, he knew, he, he, this guy's an atheist. He hasn't heard about Jesus, but he knew that that was God. He needed to get to the good side. He knew this in his dream. And he went over, and he was like kind of dabbling. I'm not really sure. He sat on the fence and waited there. And he was like, okay, I think I'm going to go. I'm not really sure, but at least I'm out of the muck. I'm on the fence. I'm out of the muck. And uh, then all of a sudden, everyone disappeared, both sides. The, all the people on the, 
devil's side and, and Jesus' side. They're all gone. And then uh, Satan shows up, and he, and, he, and he says, hey, you're on my side. I've been looking for you. And he says, uh, no, I'm not. I'm on the fence. Well, the fence is mine. And so the guy immediately woke up and called uh, a, pa- a buddy he knew that was like, uh, I don't know if he was a pastor or what he was, but then he accepted Jesus. So this, just from this dream, that fence that we like to play on, we all play on it, uh, whether we realize it or not. When we don't have that definitive relationship with Jesus, we're playing on that fence. And that fence doesn't belong to Jesus. Offense belongs to Satan. So I really loved that story when I read it. I was like, if I had that dream, I, I probably would have been in the same boat as that guy. So let's go down to, where's my other, oh, backside. I forgot a double printed there. So I'm going to go to the evangelist. When all the evangelists would come, do um, you guys remember when Ab- Abner came here? Were you guys, some of you guys were here, some of you weren't. Um, Sarah and I have had a lot of experiences. So at this point in my life, I have the power of the Holy Spirit, and I believe, to the best of my knowledge, that I have Jesus, that I'm going to heaven when I die. So keep that in mind as I tell you these uh, next few little stories here. We had evangelists come that would, uh, like, they, they brought the glory with them. It was one of those, like, walk up the aisle, they stand here, and they just say, fire, and they fall. Like, it's crazy stuff. And I was, for whatever reason, I now I can pinpoint it for sure, but then I had no idea. I was like, why Why am I not, like, why am I so turned off by this? Why am I so, like, center sanctuary, run to the bathroom when the Holy Spirit starts moving? I'm like, I'm in there. You know, I'm the guy who's, <laughs> one of the nights, there was a guy who came, his name is Roy, Roy Fields. He's a part of a pretty big movement. But uh, he came to our uh, hometown in Prescott Valley. And uh, he was there, I think, 27 nights for revival. And it was seriously, it would grow every night. And, like, people are slain. He's giving people words. And every time that started happening, I was gone. And, like, I would make every excuse in the book. Seriously, I was so, it was pathetic. I told Sarah, I lied to Sarah <laughs> and told her I ate bad turkey. Where do you get bad turkey from? I've never eaten bad turkey. And I told her, I was like, my stomach hurts so bad. I can't go in. I'm just going to sit in the car. I got bad turkey. <laughs> it was so sad. I look at myself, and I'm like, why did I do this? It was embarrassing, I'll tell you what. But anyway, so when all these people came, I was so turned off by this. And um, I, I did, however, one of those nights, I was like, fine, I'm going to go up. And I'm going to see what happens. And yes, I was, I was slain in the spirit. It was super cool. But it didn't last long. The feeling, it's like, it's just like that feeling. It just lasted a little while and then kind of faded out. It was like the fire that was lit that I didn't tend to, and it just diminished. So when Abner came, Abner came here September September 24th, last year. Abner came here. And uh, again, I thought I was over that whole, like, this guy's got the power kind of stuff, you know. I thought I was over it, and I was not clearly over it. And, uh, and I told Sarah, I said, if, if he wants to touch me, he'll touch me when he wants to touch me. I don't have to be in a, in a big crowd, or I don't have to seek after it. If he wants to meet me, he's going to meet me where I'm at. <sighs> That's so selfish. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you what. He finally, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Abner came. Everybody, there's so many people came out. I, I do not like doing kids' class. 
at all. I can't stand it. I love my kids, and I love your guys' kids. I don't like when they're all together <laughs> because something just happens, and I can't do it. So I don't know what it is, but I cannot do it. That night, I was like, let me do kids. I'll do kids. <laughs> let me do it. <laughs> so, like, it was a, it was bad, so bad. I was like, Sarah, you go ahead and go in. I got this. I'll watch the kids. What was me? That was my escape route. That was a, <laughs> it was so sad. Again. <laughs> oh, man. And so, uh, I remember... A few people came up to me that night. I know Sarah did. I know Patty did. And when Lewis did, I snapped at him. I'm sorry I snapped at you. I did. I was like, stop. I'll go in when I want to go in. Why is everyone pushing me? And I, it was that flesh. My flesh, like it, the, the scripture that talks about uh, Matthew 26, 41. Keep watching, pray, so that you will not give in a temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, my flesh was super strong. And it was like... You're not going in there. My spirit was like, but I want to, please. So it was like, that's what was happening in my life. It was this battle of flesh and spirit. Like, and, uh, oh, man, it was bad. So it was about, let's see. So Sarah and I ended up right after that. We had a very, I would say literally, the biggest fight of our marriage, the biggest fight ever, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I didn't talk to her for six days, maybe. Well, I mean, I talked to her. She would, like, force kisses and stuff because she's a nurturer. So she's like, what's wrong? I love you. And I'm like, just leave me alone for, like, six days, and I'll be okay. But she, every day she's pursuing and, like, come on, what's wrong? And throughout these six days, which ended on September six or September thirtieth, sorry. Throughout these six days, she was speaking up about this Jesus seventeen conference that was going to be on Facebook Live, and she's like, "I can't wait! I want to watch it." And I'm like, "Oh, we just went through this on Sunday, and you want to do it again over Facebook Live?" And so I was like, totally turned off. I had no idea. I didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, I was just gone. I didn't want to watch it. I I didn't care about what was going on. And so uh, I'm pretty sure, because I, I was so irritated, I worked on Saturday. I just made up something to do, I'm sure. I didn't want to be home. I was just, my flesh was so mad. My spirit was so, like, my spirit was like, nah. it wasn't even there. I wasn't feeding it, you know. It's what you feed. Are you feeding your flesh? Are you feeding your spirit? And I was definitely not feeding my spirit. My flesh was so strong. It was bad. And so on September 30th, yep, I want you to know it was September 30th because I looked it up. I had to find out because, you know, when I had, I had heard all these sermons time and time and time and time again, and I've seen these people that they encounter Jesus and their lives are changed. Something happens, and I, 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 nothing ever happened for me. I can't tell you. I mean, I've said the prayer many times, many times, because, you know, scare tactics and burning pit and you're going to die forever. And no one ever said you're going to be separated from God. And I didn't know what that was like to be with God. And so there was a whole chunk of, of, of truth that I was missing. Truth is Jesus, by the way. Truth is a man. His name's Jesus. 
So Sarah was watching this Facebook Live, and uh, I don't know what it was. I think she just made dinner, and it just started. And uh, I just looked over, and I just looked at the screen. For whatever reason, I was like, I have to watch this. I didn't know what it was because Sarah, Sarah watches lots of different things like that, and so I just kind of was blowing it off. That it was just something, and one of those things. And um, something drew me in. I know now that was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us. And he is so good at it. And he's, he's good at it in the time we need it. And so I was uh, just at that computer watching it. And uh, uh, I had to use the restroom. And I took it with me in the bathroom. And Sarah was mad. She was very unhappy I took it in there. And uh, little did I know, I didn't know that she was super mad. I knew she was like, "Uh, but I was watching that. And so I was like, well, can I just take it in there? I don't think I asked. I think I just did it. Did I just take it? I just took it. Okay. So I took it in the bathroom, and um, I didn't know this at the time, but the Holy Spirit had told her, just let him have it. Let him take it. And so she's like, I'm going to miss out on what's happening. Mm -mm. So I took it with me everywhere. And then... uh, I remember I was all over the house. I was in the bathroom. I was on the couch again. I think I was in the bathroom again, maybe, in the kitchen, eating. Like, I took it everywhere. My eyes were glued to this screen. And then uh, I, I remember I was in the bedroom, and I laid down, and I was just watching it. And uh, I was going to actually, I was going to play the clip, the little clip that was there for you, but um, I don't want to because he's been working on my heart, and I get a little bit emotional. And uh, only one other person besides Sarah has seen that a little bit when I play the video. So I don't really, I don't think I was ready to share it. But anyways, it was so simple. Um, the speaker's name is uh, Michael Kulianos. He's actually uh, Benny Hinn's son-in-law. Um, I had no idea who this guy was. Um, everything he was saying, though, I was in the same boat. Like I, 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 w- I related to everything he was saying about. He, he went into this meeting. This is this was the part that got me right here. That Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to everything. I mean, you can't say, in the name of deliverance, be free. Right? You can't say in the name of healing, be healed, or any of that. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. And I never, I never understood that. I always thought. And this being the first step in a, in a Christian's walk is accepting Jesus and really meeting him. I was looking for A, B, C, D answers. I needed the, what's the first step? I read, I read my Bible. I would go read my Bible. I'd have my time with Jesus every morning. I, I did that for, in Arizona, I did that for probably, I don't know, maybe 45 days in a row. That's like a lot for me. But nothing. I, 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 I remember out of that time I took a holy fear of God. I was reading about David and King Saul and um, all the things that God had done. He came down in fire and all this crazy stuff. I had a fear of God, but I still didn't know who Jesus was. So when I went in to read, I went in to just read a book. That's what I did. I was reading a book. No one, no one told me how to read the Bible. And so there, there's my steps. I'm looking for A, B, C, D. How do you go through this and find what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, I'm hungry for something, so why am I not finding it? And, uh, yeah, I heard my entire life that Jesus is everything, 
relationship, relationship, just have that relationship. And I heard the word, have intimacy with Jesus. And I was like, no, it doesn't sound fun. I don't like that word. But, sorry, but, that word is so beautiful. Because I know what it's like to have intimacy with Jesus. And it's so, you're so close to him. He just talks to you and he's with you. It's crazy. So this speaker, he 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 met with uh, a couple. I think uh, I don't remember who they who their names were, but his father-in-law told him, "Go meet these these two women, and they're gonna pour into your life, and they're gonna he, he he's gonna leave with something." He's like, "I really feel the Lord saying you're gonna leave with something." And he said, um, he he went in with all these questions. He said, "How do I build a church, or how do I how do I start a ministry in my church?" And they said, "Oh, it's easy." Find the love of Jesus and love him back. I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. Like, there has to be A, B, C, D in, for all of this. But he asked more questions. Again, the same exact answer every time was find the love of Jesus and love him back. Every time, that was the answer. There was no other answer they gave him. And when I heard that, it tore me up. It exposed me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was looking at this the wrong way this entire time. I was looking at A, B, C, D, like these, trying to find this formula to access Jesus in my quiet time with him, in my alone time throughout the week. When all along it was just go meet him and understand that when you go in that he's the answer, that there is no other answer outside of Jesus. Every, every truth outside of him is a lie because he is truth. And so, um, let's see. So after that, after I finally, I encountered him, he's real, I'm telling you, he's actually real. Like, McCoy spoke, when, it, when he spoke, he, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit and how a lot of people feel like he's this far off mist, you know, that you just can't really get. You know it's there, but you just can't really encounter. And so I, I saw Jesus that way, that he was this, far-off guy that, that, that wouldn't come sit next to me or hug me if I needed it. He was just far off that, that uh, it took so many steps to get to. And that's just a big lie. That's such a lie. So the simplicity of who Jesus is, it exposed me. The simplicity of how you can come in so effortlessly, and he's always there to meet you. It's crazy. And so now... When I read the Bible, we're going to do uh, John 5, 39 through 40. Now when I go to the Bible, I go to encounter Jesus. And uh, this scripture says it here. You search the scriptures because you think they will give you eternal life. I, was, I went in reading a book, and I thought this book would have answers, like eternal life. You know, that, that's where I'm going to find it. But the scriptures point to me, Jesus. Jesus was saying this. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So you can't go to the Bible reading as a book. It's God's heart on paper. That's what it is. It's God's heart. I'm going to skip down to that, um, which is, uh, let's see. Jesus is in God's heart. Yep, not a book. It's God's heart. Jesus is in God's heart. And that's in John 1.18 says, The only begotten Son who's in the... Uh, bosom of the Father. I say that wrong and Sarah laughs at me every time. 
So I had to make sure I said it right, and I'm not going to say it again, but it's right there. You can see it. He has declared him. And so what? So what's next there, you think? Let's see. Jesus is in God's heart. God's heart is Jesus. Let's go to the next one. And then go to Matthew 12, 34. Do you have it on there? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So if Jesus came from the Father's heart, then that's what he speaks. He speaks Jesus. He's in his heart. That's what he speaks. He speaks Jesus to us, which is the next one. Hebrews 1, 2. God speaks Jesus to us. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. He has spoken Son to us. So when I realized and I, and I captured all of this, I now see that the Scripture speaks of Jesus from beginning to end. God's heart on paper is Jesus. Like the manna that the Israelites so wanted. They wanted that quail, and then they got the manna. And it says in there that it was early in the morning when they rose, and there was a dew on the ground, right? That dew represents the Holy Spirit. The dew is on the ground. And when the dew was lifted, then the manna was exposed. That manna was Jesus. It was round. It was, it was never-ending, and it was white. It was pure, just like Jesus. So you, now I go into the scriptures, and I see Jesus throughout. I see where he is the center point of everything in the Bible. I go to read it differently. I go to encounter him. I don't go to just read a book. I go to meet with him. And if the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us as well, then who's this who's this who's the life? Who 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 saves us? It's Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. So if you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what's on your heart? He'll say, Well, look, it's Jesus. He's on my heart. And if you say, God, what's on your heart? Well, read the scriptures. It's Jesus. He's on my heart. And I didn't gra- I, I didn't understand that. And when I met him that night. It literally just clicked. Something, something snapped in my mind. I don't know what happened. I can't tell you. But when I, when I heard those words, that it was just find the love of Jesus, love him back, and that's it. That's, that's the answer. It just clicked. I, I had a moment. And that moment, everything changed. I understood who Jesus was. Oh, man. He is really good. In Revelation 2, which uh, I think I might go there and read it real quick. Give me a second. So in Revelation 2, he's talking to the church of uh, Ephesus. And he says, I'm going to skip down to verse 2. I'm not going to read one. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. And you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So Jesus is exhorting them, right? He's saying, good job. I noticed all this stuff you're doing as a church, and it's great. It's excellent, and I love it. But then he goes on to give them the the hardball, the hard stuff. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you, next page, did it first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. 
he sees the good that we're doing, you know, as a church or even just as an individual. He knows, he understands, he and he loves that. But what he loves more than that is you loving him genuinely and loving others. I mean, what's the what's the biggest commandment? Is love God and love people. That's the biggest commandment. And if we get those two down, everything else falls in place. If you have love, you have nothing. Love is Jesus. And I've got a sum. Let's do uh, 14, please. It's a very bold statement. Nope, not this one. But it's okay. Jesus is the answer, plain and simple. He is. And I found him. This might be kindergarten stuff to you guys. This is not kindergarten stuff to me at all. Like, the depth of this simplicity, I cannot understand it. And it feels like, like, I mean, like I'll never fully understand it. Let's go to the next one. If you truly love Jesus, you'll be with him. This is, this is, it's, it's tough. I mean, it was kind of a hard thing when I, when I was writing that. I, I thought that, that's actually kind of harsh to say to people. But if you love your spouse, you want to be with your spouse, right? Like, you want to. You genuinely want to go have dinner. You want to go spend time with them. You want to get to know them. If you love Jesus, that's what you'll want to do. If you love Jesus, you will want to seek him. If, you're, if you don't want to seek him right now, you might want to evaluate where you're at. Because if you love him, you'll want to be with him. And that's, and, and I know there's some days where you, you're seeking him and then one of the mornings you're like, man, I don't know, I'm not really feeling it this morning. But you know, when you, when you neglect him like that, when he's sitting there pulling on your arm or your sleeve in the morning to, to meet with him, because he, he loves you that much that he wants to meet with you, that he'll cry. He'll cry if you don't. I actually, one of the mornings I was supposed to meet with him and I didn't. The next day, he showed me. He was like, look, I was sitting in this room waiting and it was all set up. And you didn't come in. And I just felt this like... This hurt man that I hurt him, that I hurt his heart. Cause he wanted me that bad. He wanted to spend that time with me and I I got too busy. You know, you just you got stuff to do. I understand, but who's more important? What's more important, the stuff or the life giver? The Jesus who gives you everything. Matthew seven twenty two. McCoby shared this too. So actually, when he was sharing, I was like, you're taking all my scriptures, man. You're taking all my stuff. Not, not really, but I know I'm reaching like time here. So Matthew 7.22, Jesus is talking about um, the, the people who are going to, oh, man, I got to just read it. I'm sorry. I got to get there because it's too good to not get it exact. I hope it's good in this version. Let's see. 722. Matthew 722 says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name, and we've cast out demons in your name. We've performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. This is not referring to, which you guys all know, it's not referring to people outside the church. Because people outside the church don't know the power of Jesus. People outside the church don't know that they 
can cast out demons in Jesus' name or can heal people in Jesus' name. But there's people, these are referring, he says, many will say to me. Many is the vast majority. That's what that's talking about. It's not talking about a small bit of the church. It's talking about the majority of the church in the end is not going to be with Jesus. Does that not sadden you guys? I mean, when I read that and then we play these songs, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, I'm not thinking that's a good part of the song. I'm thinking of, man, these are the people that, that we could have picked from the harvest, but they missed out. These are the people that now get to spend eternity away from Jesus because we didn't witness them. We didn't get them. We didn't pick them. It's rough. So I just want to leave with that. I, I, my whole point of all of this was really I wanted to birth hunger. I, don't, I mean, I don't care if I didn't project it well because I know the one who can project it well, and I hope that it did pierce some hearts. But, I mean, Jesus is the, he's the answer. He's the one you need if you're struggling with anything. If you're struggling with depression, any kind of sickness, you don't need all these doctors and stuff. They're, they're helpful, and he puts them there so we can get diagnosed, I guess. But Jesus is the answer. There's no answer outside of him. He is the answer. And the church is just looking everywhere else for this answer when it's right in front of us. So if I could, if I could have any of you take just one thing away from my experience and... Uh, it would be to, to just go after him. Just give it a week. I, don't, I only ask for one week, please. Go after him with all you got. And like, like the Israelites did, it was early in the morning when the dew was there. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus who's under that. He's the manna. He's underneath that. So the Holy Spirit's going to reveal Jesus to you. And God's the one who, he's written it all out for you. Get up in the morning. Make that sacrifice. We can make a sacrifice for the gym, for our jobs, for our kids. Those are all great things, but Jesus is more important. We need to make a sacrifice for him. So I, that would, that's what I would encourage you guys in this whole thing. Please seek him. Give it one week. I promise you we'll come back next Sunday. And it's going to be different. I'm not the same worshiper I was at all, and it's progressing. It's only progressing because I love him so much. I don't want to miss an opportunity to worship with my family. I do it by myself at my house, but there's something different when we come together corporately and worship him. It's so much stronger. We have so many, it's, you know, uh, you get, just get so many together. The voice is loud, and it just, he, he inhabits on our praises, and he's here, and it's so good. Jesus, I just thank you, Father. Thank you for this encounter that you've given me. God, I just pray that, that my words, that these weren't my words. God, I, I, I give you the glory for everything, God. And I pray that, that these words were like arrows that pierce hearts of even just one person would catch on and would get the fact that Jesus is the answer, that he is everything. Holy Spirit, reveal that in such a new way to these people, Father. I thank you. I love you. And I can't wait to meet with you again.